Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to a special Tuesday edition of Beer and Money. Um, we are here on TalkShoe as part of the PWP Nation network. Um, you can check out uh, PWP Nation uh, at pwpnation.com, as well as the PWP Nation uh, Facebook page, facebook.com slash pwpnation, and on Twitter at PWP uh, Nation. Uh, lots of great articles, lots of great material, um, as always, exclusive stories, um, all that great stuff. Uh, we are, I am happy to announce that I've spoken with Jay and Aaron and all the, uh, big wigs at PWP and going forward, maybe starting as early as this Friday, if not next Friday, we will be doing the show live on Fridays at 3 PM as normal. And then the show will then be sent to to be uploaded on the PWP Nation uh, podcast cha- uh, channel they use. So there will be two great ways to check out the show. And uh, I'm really excited about it. It's a good way to really get the show out there. Um, so, you know, I, I enjoy doing it. I know Tope enjoys doing it. So, you know, it's just great news, something that came up during the holidays. And, uh, you know, really excited to get that going. So that's, you know, that's where we're headed as far as the show goes. The Facebook page will be relaunched. Um, it's been dormant. Uh, we're going to get that going. Uh, debating if I want to do a Twitter, a separate Twitter for the page for the show, or if I'm going to keep it on mine, that's still to come. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JCD1219. And why? And, um, yeah, we, you know, so a few things that went on. I'm just waiting for Tof to get on. The show was actually his idea. Um, so, you know, creativity like that is never a bad thing. I uh, hope everyone had a good holiday season. And, uh, you know, now the grind of back to everything, back to normal decorations come down in most cases probably by this weekend the latest uh the sales stop being ridiculous things that weren't available go back to being in stock and available so you know i don't know if i'm the only one but i feel like the holiday season just completely blew by this year um i feel like i have a three-year-old son and i i feel like it was just halloween and we shot through Halloween. We shot through Thanksgiving. And I'm a December baby. I'm December 19th. I feel like I shot through my birthday. And, you know, now here we are. And it's January 3rd already. Um, you know, 
all the leftovers will soon be gone. So, and, you know, back to normal eating. Uh, <laughs> so New Year's resolutions and all that fun stuff. Um, so with that said, I know there were a few things Tope wanted to discuss. Uh, I wanted to get into that um, talking, bring it to the table, show that WWE kind of pulled out of thin air last night. There was supposed to be a ride-along with... I know Brian and Ellsworth were supposed to be one, and I, I think Heyman and... I don't know if it was Heyman and Brock or Heyman and somebody else, but I think Heyman was supposed to be on it. And then all of a sudden, mid-afternoon, they changed it to um, uh, to the Bring It to the Table show. So, you know, I, I want to get into that. Um, I know there's been a lot of reaction to it on on Twitter. Um, I don't know if this was intentional or not, or just dumb luck, but apparently it took a while to get up on the network. I know I was up early this morning and I went looking for it. I didn't stay up to watch it last night and I couldn't find it. And then in the middle part of this afternoon, um, I had found it. So I want, I want to see if Chris saw it. Uh, if he did, I want to get his take on it. Um, I want to touch on the ending of Raw last night. I think that ending of Raw was one of the better endings in a long, long time. Uh, You know, again, I want to get Chris's take on it. And then I also want to delve into a lot of the contract uh, situations that it seems just only three weeks ago it seemed that there was going to be this wild crop of free agents for WWE to pick and choose from. And unfortunately, it looks like there's not. And I wonder, I'm trying to, I've heard some things about what's being offered to guys as far as money goes, but I wonder if it delves deeper than WWE potentially low-balling some talents from Ring of Honor. Uh, I know there are some guys that, you know, depending on who you talk to, supposedly Triple H has a a massive hard-on for. So I can't see how, if Hunter really wants some of these guys, that he uh, he would low-ball them to give them the option to uh, not sign with the company. Um, so, you know, we'll, 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 we'll delve into that a little. Um, like I said, we're going to delve into And, of course, the big thing is we're going to – I'm going to let Chris handle it because Chris is more in tune with it than, than I am, other than the big couple matches, is we're going to look at uh, Russell Kingdom 12, uh, 11, uh, which – I think with the time difference, I think it's about 12 hours away. I think, it, I think it's going to kick off at like 3 or 3.30 in the morning. So it's actually 3.06 now. So you're, you're looking at about 12 hours away from that show. Uh, it's funny. I was just thinking this before that 
will probably be sitting, you know, some of us will probably be sitting down for dinner later this evening or getting ready to watch SmackDown. And to put it in perspective, you'll probably have your talent either arriving or already at the show, you know, preparing. Of course, you know, there's some implications as far as what will happen. Excuse me, with with the two big title matches, uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole, and Okada and Omega. So, you know, there's some interesting contract situations there that could play out. Um, you know, I'm going to reach out to Tove, so I'll be back in one second. Okay, so I'm back. I sent Tof a quick message to let him know we're on. I think he might be watching the bringing it to the table uh, special from last night that I was speaking of. So, you know, good to get some fresh insight. Um, I watched it about, I want to say about an hour and a half ago, give or take. So it shouldn't be, it looks like we'll have two good insights on it. It's not like trying to remember from you know, last night or whatever. So that will help. And Toph is on. Let me grab him. Chris, you there? Yeah, sorry about that. It took a while for me to get no, ready. No, it's okay. It's okay. So, okay, so you would just watching bringing it to the table mm-hmm. I, I i didn't i wasn't able to watch it uh last night i just uh watched bits and pieces uh i've known about the uh rosenberg guy for oh, i've known about him for a good while about uh about three to four years and uh i read a report um towards the end of 2016 that uh one of the big initiatives going forward in 2017 was uh, they wanted to have more uh, guys like him, uh, not just not just him per se, but they want to have uh, more uh, fans because that's really mm-hmm. who he is. He's a fan. They they, they want to have more fans uh, make appearances on their shows. Uh, uh-huh. They're gonna start doing it little uh, little stuff like uh, you know those little pre shows. Yeah. Chris. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Chris. I think we lost him. Yeah, Chris dropped off. I'm sure he's going to drop come right back on. Um and then we'll get into the bringing it to the table. Uh, special from last night. Wit, like you mentioned. Uh...
Okay, sorry about that. It looks like we talked. She might have been having some difficulties. Uh, waiting for Chris to get back on. But as I was saying. Yeah, uh, Peter Rosenberg hosted. There he is. Chris, you're back. Yeah, can you hear me a little better? Yeah, yeah. I, it actually knocked me off, too, so I don't know if it's if oh, okay. she's having some issues or yeah, whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in a nutshell, what I was saying earlier was that uh, WWE is making it a priority in 2017 to uh, include more uh, fan podcasts on their own specials. Uh, you'll be seeing them on their pre-shows uh, when they do a little roundtable thing. Uh, you'll be seeing them on some of JBL stuff. Um, once Edge and Christian's uh, show gets finalized for season two, you'll be seeing more of them. Uh, I have no idea whose idea it was. Uh, so, um, But anyway, the fact that they're doing it is uh, they're totally kind of embracing, um, not necessarily the death of kayfabe, but uh, they're kind of embracing, in my opinion, they're, they're sort of, they're low-key kind of embracing dirt sheets, sort of. They're kind of embracing... Uh, fan gossip because these guys are going to be on the WWE Network shows and um, the type of stuff they talk about is really the type of stuff that you hear on any podcast, you know, whether it's a fan podcast or whether it's a, a person like Solo Monster that's a fan that has sources in the business, you know, so they're kind of a, they're kind of like glamorizing it. So depending on who you talk to, some might see it as a good thing, some might see it as a bad thing. But um, anyway, it's what, one of their what big... did you think of it last night? Or today, um, when you watched it, what what did you think? Basically, it was no different from a uh, like a well, regular fan podcast. It was like a glorified podcast on the WWE Network, which is not bad. Um, it, it was fine. Um, I think that I th- they should be careful with some of the topics that they discuss. Uh, I thought that the topics they discussed, for the most part, were. Uh, you know, pretty safe, uh, pretty conservative. Uh, the only part of the show that I thought was kind of like, eh, should they have really discussed it, was the whole uh, raw three-hour thing. Because basically, in a nutshell, what they really said was, fuck the fans. This is making WWE money. Um, you know, this, like, you know, the way JBL explained it, like anyone with common sense already knows that. But, um, you know, it's very apparent. Like, if they're trying... Like if if they're one if they want to use the whole like you know it's a business thing they make money off of it like no one's denying that but if they're trying to paint the scenario that like nothing is wrong with raw three hours and then they're like insane um, even even Paul Heyman kind of came off as a like fuck the fans that's that's not smart uh, Which, that's not smart at of all of the two I'm I'm more surprised than Heyman. You know, if there was a guy that back in the heyday of ECW was about, you know, know what the fans want, know what your audience wants, and give it to them, it was Heyman. So for Heyman to be, you know, overly pro-company, and if you don't agree with the company, you're a crybaby, that stuck that's me as smart. Yeah, yeah. Like, and then, and then it was his word usage too. Like, because his word usage was like, "These are your people." Like, that's not smart. Like, I think what it really comes down to is Eric Bischoff had the right idea when he did that book called "Controversy Creates Cash." That's true. Mm-hmm. The thing that Bischoff never really got is that there's a difference between controversy and there's a difference between stupidity. Stupidity mm-hmm. just makes fans not tune in. 
period. Mm-hmm. Stupidity just makes fans just be like, you know what, I'm done. So if you have JBL being pro WWE explaining why Raw should be three hours, that's fine. You expect that from JBL. Yeah. You expect that from Cole. But then when you have someone who's clearly been proven in the past to not be pro and have common sense, when you have someone like Paul Heyman, when you yeah. have him say something like that, then that makes fans go, okay, like this is stupid. I'm not watching Raw. I mean, that that was not – that was not – he should have yeah. – I saw what they were doing, but they, he should have worded that better. And then when Heyman said, these are your people, like, no, that's not – especially this close to WrestleMania, when you need ratings, no. I didn't think that was – and then granted, that, that it, it didn't bother me at all. Like, I'm going to watch regardless, but I know there's going to be a lot of fans that are going to watch that and basically be like, okay, fine. Like, I know some fans were offended you, by you it. You know what it was, too? Smart. You know what I felt too, where they where they're playing with fire. I get, and I guess maybe this goes back to two years ago, but they kept saying, "Oh, what are people gonna do? Boycott? Not what? Like, be careful with that." Mm-hmm. I felt I felt like that's another thing too. Like, don't you know? Don't mock people. I mean, it's one thing for Hunter to come out the night out of the rum, the night after the rumble. In in two thousand, what was that? Two thousand fourteen, and oh, did somebody not get what they wanted? You know, and mock it because Hunter's also doing that during a promo in character. Mm-hmm. You know, but Heyman Heyman's not Paul Heyman, the advocate of Brock Lesnar on this show. Heyman is Paul Heyman guy who should be a great, you know, a great mind of the business. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, I agree with you. Like, JBL, JBL's, JBL's going to be that corporate guy. Whether he agree, he th- he agrees with what he's saying or not, JBL can come off as, you know, the pro-WWE guy. But you're 100% right. When, when Heyman's shitting on people... It's like really like you too, yeah. yeah. You know, the, yeah, yeah. That came off. That could, that that came could off backfire a on bad. them. Thankfully for them, we're around the Rumble time, so I think fans are uh, fans are obviously more invested around Rumble. So I think most fans will tune in. But uh, if that had happened like any other time of year, like post SummerSlam, you know, when things kind of cool down May. a bit, pull this pull this shit in May, right? During that extreme <laughs> rules, no, no, no. Extreme rules, payback, and whatever, you're going to have people turn around and be like, oh, yeah, fuck you. Right. Right, right. That makes, that you know, makes sense. But uh, I enjoyed it for the most part. Uh, I think it's just something that they, if I were them, I would do it like once a month because a month is more than enough time to, um, within a month, there's always going to be something new to discuss. You yeah, know, something you, you new to talk about. They were a little off with what the top, with like mm-hmm. what made the topics what they were. Mm-hmm. You could tell they were a little off. That McGregor stuff, you know. Yeah, it was kind of over yeah. the place. Yeah, you could tell they were a little, a little behind, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'll give it another watch. I personally, I'm not a fan of Peter Rosenberg, so I, I just he's he's just tough for me to swallow. I'm. I'm not a fan of him because I know guys that have dealt with him and you know, he's tough guy on the microphone and apparently he's a little bitch off of it. 
So I don't, I don't like guys like that, especially with some of the rants he went on last year about certain things. But I get what they're doing. I know they brought in Sam Roberts. I think Sam Roberts was in for TLC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would um, more of him. Huh? What happened? I'm sorry, yeah, you'll be seeing more of him. Yeah, and he's got a couple people. He's got that Katie Lindendahl chick Mm -hmm. um, who I know goes to, like, access with him and Mm -hmm. does interviews with him. So you'll probably see – yeah, you're going to get more of that. I remember seeing that right around Survivor Series time. My my, my only fear of this, and, uh, you know, I've already gotten into a disagreement with this person, and uh, I won't go into too much detail about him, but my only fear of this is it's a great opportunity for um, fellow podcasters, because um, if you get big, then there's a very good chance that you could someday get a call from WWE. And as cool as that is, the problem is what happens is it creates this sort of thing where you have some people that do the podcast because they genuinely enjoy it, and then you have some people show the true colors where – they really just want to get a job with WWE. Mm-hmm. And um, the one person in particular who really got exposed last year, uh, he still has his fan base. Uh, he's still very popular. And from what I understand, he has, like, the biggest uh, YouTube channel uh, wrestling. I'm pretty sure you've heard of him. Uh, they go by What Culture. Are you familiar with What Culture? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, What 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 Culture. Um, what culture has all types of YouTube sites? There's what culture gaming, what culture movies, but what culture wrestling is I think is the biggest uh, wrestling YouTube channel. And uh, you know, so I was a, I was a fan of them for a bit. They're mostly fans from the UK, not all of them, but most of them are. And you know, they they post. One thing I'll give what culture is every post they do. They always post obscure stuff. They don't post the obvious stuff you would think of. Like, I'm just going through some of their stuff right now. Um, like, they did, like, a what culture Mount Rushmore of Intercontinental Champions. I'm like, okay, that's different. You usually, you usually when you hear Mount Rushmore, it's like, who's your Mount Rushmore of, like, your top faces of WWE in general? Like, right, Hogan, world Bruno, champion. you know, but they did Mount Rushmore for Intercontinental Champion. Or, and then they do another video called, like, 15 over Attitude Era stars you forgot about, meaning, like, dudes that were over, but for some reason fans just don't talk about them as much, like D'Lo mm-hmm. or Taka Michinoku. So I'll give them credit. They've always done, like, obscure topics that you don't hear about every day. So that's one of the main reasons why I talked about him. Uh, the Adam dude from Buck Culture, he's notorious for his rebooking videos uh, where uh, he just takes a topic and he just rebooks it. Uh, like if I booked the invasion, if I booked uh, the Orton Christian feud, if, if I booked uh, CM Punk's uh, post uh, SummerSlam stuff like that, he's gotten very popular off of that. And for about a year, I was a fan of his work, and basically where a really big uh, fallout for him happened, and uh, we actually had this conversation on Skype, and he kind of, uh, he ended the conversation on me uh, mid-sentence, which to me says everything I need to know about him, and uh, some other fans also attacked him, and he blocked him. Uh, What Adam did was, to TNA's credit, when they did the final deletion, the original final deletion, like okay. when, the, when the broken mat thing first started. Okay, which we will get into that as well. Um, right, right, right. Yeah. right. When, they, when TNA did their uh, original final deletion, to their credit, 
Uh, the build up to that was was very good. It was very very good. Uh, the story was very good, but the build and the advertising they did. I remember the advertising for the Final Deletion. That was everywhere. It was on YouTube. It was on Pop. If you if you visited like your usual wrestling dirt sheet sites, there were ads for it. Uh, many uh, TNA's Facebook page was all over that. They were posting photos. That was the most like shared ad that I had seen from TNA, honestly, since Hogan and Bischoff jumped ship. So to TNA's credit, they did a very good job advertising the actual episode. And this was before it aired, because if you remember, it was like July 5th or something. So they were advertising that episode really good. And they advertised Mm -hmm. it so well, if you remember, that many people did reaction videos where they were watching it for the first time Mm -hmm. live and they were recording themselves. This is where Adam had a huge, huge drop-off. He did a video uh, reaction to it. And at the very beginning of the video, he said the most stupid absurd, unnecessary thing that exposed him completely for what he really was. At the beginning of the video, he said, I have never watched a full episode of Impact Wrestling, and I take pride in that. And I was like, whoa, 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 what the fuck does that have to do with this episode? You are in charge of a wrestling podcast. You're about to start your own wrestling promotion your opinion of a promotion is irrelevant to the review. By saying that off the bat, you've already made this review pointless because you're showing bias. If yeah. I'm going to review, if I'm going to review Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice, okay? Imagine me doing that review, and at the very beginning, I say I'm a diehard Marvel fan and I've never liked DC. That being said, off the bat, it doesn't matter what I'm going to say. Off the bat, I've already revealed myself to be a Marvel fanboy. Therefore, I'm biased. Therefore, my opinion is going to be jaded. Therefore, my review is not trustworthy. When you are a reviewer of a wrestling show, you review wrestling shows. And one of the number one rules of a podcast is whether you're talking WWE, TNA, Ring of Honor, New Japan, it doesn't matter. You have to review each show with no bias whatsoever. And he totally broke that rule. He totally broke that rule, and he totally exposed himself. I called him out right there, right there, and I said, dude, you're just trying to get hired by WWE. That's all you're doing. You just said that straight up. And then he just like, and normally he has like a sarcastic reply for everything. Like he's known for his sarcasm and his wit, you know, because he's from Britain. He's from the Mm -hmm. UK, whatever. So a lot of times when fans throw shade his way, he usually has some type of sarcastic reply. That was one of the few times where fans attacked him and he said nothing. The video is still on YouTube. And like, I remember some fans, they totally blew him up. They said like, dude, you're a mark. You're just trying to get hired by WWE. Like that total that comment was totally unnecessary because obviously when he interviewed because he's interviewed other guys that have nothing to do with WWE. Like he's interviewed Jay Lethal before. He's interviewed Shinsuke Nakamura before. He's he's interviewed guys that have had influence in Ring of Honor and New Japan. And when he interviews those guys, you don't hear him say, "Oh, I've never watched an episode of Ring of Honor. I've never heard. I've never watched." Because he knows that Ring of Honor and New Japan mm-hmm. have a relationship with WWE at least in terms of like you know talent exchange or, you know, you know, and, and stuff as if, you know, like, you know that they look at those kind of dudes. So he really, really exposed himself. And I remember, like, he went on Twitter and he was like, well, if you don't like me anymore, that's fine. I still have my fan base. And, yes, he does still have his fan base, but he did lose a lot of fans because I remember when, when, when before that video happened, what culture had about, I want to say, mm, 
somewhere around like about 5 million plus subscribers. After he made that comment, they went from like 5 million to like, I want to say 1.5 million subscribers. So that means over wow. 4 million fans basically were like, Tapped fuck out. This dude. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and he still has his fan base. And sure, some fans might turn around and be like, you know what, I still enjoy the content. And it's not just him, because the thing about what culture is there's there's like five or six different dudes, you know, so he's just the main one. He's just part, so, yeah. Yeah, so, there's, so some fans, they still subscribe because they're like, you know what, I don't like this guy, but I do like the other commentators, you know. Exactly. So some, I don't like you, but I like you, right. so I'll stay to watch, yeah. Right, but when he did that, like, he pissed off a lot of fans, and I was one of them. And again, the fact that, like, we attacked him, and we called him out, and he had, like, no reply at all, further, convinc- further really shows the point that he's not really a real wrestling fan he's just using his show as an outlet to get hired and you know what that's fine there's nothing wrong with that he's trying to use it to better his career the problem is is that when you have a show called what culture wrestling and again that's what the name of his youtube thing is what culture wrestling not what culture wwe what culture Mm -hmm. wrestling so when you name it what culture turn around and say okay listen i'm gonna be the guy that covers everything wwe you be the guy that covers TNA, you cover ROH, and you know what? I'll do the WWE reviews. You do the TNA review, you know, like that. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. really, what how it could have been fixed was, you know, we're, we're all human, and you know, we all make mistakes. We're, we're not perfect, so sometimes when we mess up, we should just, just you own know, it. Yeah, just own up to it. it you know, apologize don't and connect and, people on Skype mid sentence. Just, just own it. Be like, ah, oh, you know what? Yeah, I said it, but you know what? Yeah, I fucked up, you know. Yeah, but, and that was just know, something he just refused. Yeah, yeah, that was just something that he refused to do because he didn't he didn't want to humble himself. So, but um, yeah, he he still has his fan base, and and they're still the biggest you know YouTube um, wrestling podcast. Uh, I believe last I checked, they're like at uh, 2.5 million. So that's cool. So you know he's still big. But a lot of fans left, and he yeah. he refuses to acknowledge that. And he's not going to be as big as he could have been. But anyway, uh, I bring him up because guys like him will obviously benefit from this decision yes. that WWE has decided to do. Because now, if you have your own podcast, basically anyone has a chance now. That's the you most could be positive. on the radar. Yeah, you can. All you got to do is just get your name out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, interview people, obviously, because that Rosenberg dude, what got him on the map is uh, he's been doing it for a while. But I, I believe his interview was on YouTube. Actually, uh, someone linked it to me the other day because they thought I hadn't seen it before. But I had. Uh, he was actually the first person that interviewed Roman Reigns after uh, the 2015 War Rumble, the really bad one, mm-hmm. that one. He was the first person that interviewed Roman. Uh, I believe it's, I think it's called like uh Rosenberg Roman Reigns interview uh, post Rumble. It's on YouTube. It's got like uh, about four hundred, five hundred thousand hits. That was the video that really gave him um, exposure. And like in the video, Rosenberg kind of goes off on the fans. That's kind of like where why I got so many hits. So take he, over for a minute. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, Rosenberg was in the uh, interview, and uh, he kind of uh, went off on the fans. And he was like, "Oh, you know, you guys were cheering Roman in the Rumble 2014, but." In, you know, in 2015, all of a sudden you're booing him, and they go into a little bit more stuff like uh, Roman Samoan heritage, and they go into other stuff like you know how um, you know how was it for him to get his moment, and the fans didn't react very well to it, and 
um, stuff like that. Um, but that was, that was really his first real big, uh, moment of exposure. And since then he's gotten bigger. Well, he was always in big, but now he's gotten bigger. So, but, uh, that's Rosenberg in a nutshell. So, but, um, yeah, uh, I, I I don't hate it. I guess overall, it's going to be do more good than bad. Obviously, the the what culture guy. That's just you know uh, a small negative, but it's mostly going to be positive. So um, it will definitely make the uh, the roundtable pre-shows more interesting um, when you hear it from a fan perspective. I guess uh, seeing people like Lita never she never really fit to me. She seemed kind of there a little bit. So. But um, you know, it's cool, and I it'll, it'll def- I don't I don't normally watch the pre-show stuff anyway. I usually just kind of like skip it. But if I know there's going to be a, a podcaster fan or whatever, then I, I might give it a, a watch just just to see the person on the big stage. But uh, but yeah, anyone has a chance now. Anyone has a chance. Anyone could potentially be on the radar for WWE. You just have to get big, which is obviously easier said than done. But um. Yeah, anyone, anyone, all all those dudes you see though, at one point they were no different than you know anyone. They all started their show on on Block Talk or some other you know outlet, and everyone started off small. No one started off big unless you just you know happen to know someone that pulls some strings or whatever. But uh, but yeah, that's probably the most positive thing that can come out of this is that uh, um, potentially anyone could be on WWE's radar. All you got to do is just uh, just get big. Just get big. That's you know, it's one of those things where it's like uh, it's hard to get in, but once you're in, you're in. But it's just really hard to get in, obviously. So, but um, that's pretty much all I got on the topic right now. So, <sighs> anyway, in unrelated news. Uh, this weather is really bipolar. I'm just killing time until John comes back. But uh, yeah, I was watching Raw last night and everything was chill. All of a sudden, it's like oh, tornado warning. So it's like ah. Uh, it was a false alarm, though. It was, I believe, the tornado supposedly was. Uh, they said it was like 10 miles southeast of my city, but it ended up going northeast, so it missed us a little bit. But uh, yeah, this weather is really bipolar down here. It's like really cold one day, and it's kind of like spring. Weather says it's supposed to snow on the weekend, but uh, we'll see. We'll see, I guess. But uh, I, I hate this kind of weather. It's, it's the kind of weather that gets you sick, to be honest. So, but. Uh, we're going to be talking about some New Japan stuff in a while, but I think um, John wants to talk a little bit about some other stuff first. Just kind of waiting for him to come back for a bit and see any other topics I can talk about before he comes back. Let me think. Think. Um, oh, well, I can talk about uh, Noam Dar. Alicia Fox. Yeah, that guy is total garbage, but... Uh, the Alicia Fox thing is <laughs> as silly as it is. Uh, I think some fans are actually liking it, and it's kind of I won't say it's winning fans over, but it's kind of silly. So if he's going to use the douchebag thing to to get himself over, then more power to him. That's actually smart on his part because he's not a very good performer. So you know how that is. I also think right. that um uh, yeah seven nine two zero nine six zero 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 seven. Oh, I'm not sure if John was there. Was he talking to someone else? Not sure. Um, 
I also think that uh, Drew Gulak and uh, Tony Nese, or Anthony Nese, depending on what you call them, I think they have a good dynamic. Uh, the whole suit thing really works well for them. I'm sorry about that, Kai. I just left the room for a second. Um, I see they have Cedric with Felicia Fox. Um, when he was in Ring of Honor, his they had him with Veda Scott. Cedric is really good in the ring, but um, by himself, he's kind of eh. Not really that interesting. So um, pairing him with Veda was a good decision, but Ring of Honor, they didn't really they didn't really do much with the pair. So in WWE, they're pairing him with Felicia Fox. Um, Alicia Fox's potential is untapped, kind of like uh, Summer Rae. Um, you don't really get to see that much of Alicia Fox. When she had her match with Bailey, um, she had a match with Bailey a few weeks ago, um, and the match was good. I mean, she held her own, kind of. And she's always been, like, you know, good in the ring. It just never really, they never really did much with her. And they did the whole, like, Stone Cold Alicia crazy thing for a bit, and then it's like they kind of lost interest. So she hasn't been given much opportunities, but the few times that she's given something to shine, she stands out. So, but not enough to make you go like, wow, like you know, she could really be something sort of. So I, I put girls like her and and Summer Rae. I put girls like them like as like untapped potential, or like there's moments where you see them and they're like, mm, just, they, they could be something, and then. It's just kind of like, eh, it goes nowhere. So, but they have the right idea putting someone with Cedric. They have the right idea for that, so. I'm not sure where the story is going, though. Um, I imagine it's going to go to the point where Cedric will just say, um, yeah, I don't want to be with Alicia anymore since he keeps losing his matches because of her. I'm not really sure where it's going and if she'll be paired with someone else or something. So, But they have the right idea because obviously one of the biggest complaints and criticisms is the lack of characters and the lack of personalities that some of the Cruiserweight guys have. So by involving a woman, then you know they might have something, I guess. So... But um, it's 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 just hard to say with the cruiserweights. As I've said before, I'm 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 convinced that there is no plan going forward. They don't have a plan for WrestleMania. They don't have a plan for SummerSlam. I feel like that the cruiserweights they're literally just booking the day of every single time. You can sort of tell. So, um, the fans seem to like Rich Swan. They like him. Um, you know when he comes out, different fans dance with him and stuff like that. So um, I think Rich Swan might be, um, I won't say he'll be champion long, but I think he'll be one of their dependable, reliable hands. That and he has a, you know, a touching yet tragic backstory that fans can get behind. So, you know, that's cool, I guess. As you can see, it's harder 
to do a show alone because you have to be able to find something interesting to talk about. It's a lot easier when you have a, a partner to bounce off of, especially if there's someone that doesn't agree with you. It can be very entertaining radio when they're not yelling over each other, that is. So I'm just trying to think about our topics. It's really hard, you know, because the year just started, you know, so it's not like we've seen anything yet. We haven't seen, um, you know, SmackDown happens later, uh, TNA happens later, Ring of Honor happens later. So nothing's really happened yet. There isn't really anything to discuss other than Wrestle Kingdom. And I was just waiting for uh, John to come back. I'd rather discuss that um, together. So you know how that goes. I know one um, cool thing that we can talk about is the Goldberg, the Goldberg segment last night on Raw. I thought the Goldberg segment was really interesting, and I thought the visual of Goldberg and Roman being next to each other was really cool. And on paper, that's really all Goldberg is. Goldberg is an experiment that WCW tried and it worked, and Roman is an experiment similar to Goldberg, and it didn't work. And there's really nothing on paper that Goldberg has that Roman doesn't have. In fact, because of Roman's Samoan background, on paper, he should be more over than Goldberg ever was, yet for some reason he's not. So I thought that was really interesting and kind of risky to put them in the same ring together. I think if that had been like in a smart crowd, it would not have been a good night for Roman. Well, it's never really a good night for Roman, but you get the idea. I thought the double spear on Strowman was uh, really cool, and uh, it was a good way to keep Strowman strong because it didn't take one spear. It took the spear from Goldberg and Roman to take out Strowman, so that's a good way to uh, to keep Strowman strong. I like the whole monster thing they're doing with Strowman. I've been saying for months the money match is Lesnar versus Strowman. That's the match I want to see. Everyone's talking about Lesnar versus Joe or Lesnar versus Goldberg or whoever. I think that Lesnar versus Strowman could be a really good match. Um, you know, that's the match that I would like to see. But Chris, a, yeah, can you hear me? Okay, because my mm-hmm. phone's completely gone kaput. Um, all right, what what are we at? Oh, I was just killing time until you got back. Oh, I was God. just I was just saying that I really like the uh, the Goldberg uh, Roman. Segment. And I thought it was How good was that segment last night? Yeah, it was good. Uh, I thought that uh, uh, they were really lucky that they were in a casual crowd because if they were in a smart crowd, it wouldn't have been a good night for Roman. <laughs> but it's never yeah, a good no. night for him anyway. No. <laughs> and a good job uh, protecting Strowman, making him look strong because it wasn't yeah. just one spear, it was two spears. It was a double yeah, spear. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people bugging out about that. Like, oh, they, they, sco- they fed Braun to Goldberg and Roman. And my response is, but look at what you just said. Roman and Goldberg. Yeah. You know. I remember, like, um, way back when – see, I have I have good memory. Most wrestling fans don't. I remember when Drew McIntyre was there, he was eliminated in the Rumble by Sean and Triple H. Like, talk about a compliment. Yeah. 
you know. So you, you could tell like he was getting the rocket push. So yeah. So so usually if if someone gets taken out by like two people, that really shows you like your position on the card or how they mm-hmm. see you. So the fact that he let, was let feared, me ask you this. Let me ask you this as far as the Rumble match booking goes. I, I don't think it will hurt him. And I think it will just add another layer to what has been a great story with him and Sammy. Do you think the worst thing in the world is if Sammy eliminates him in the Rumble? No, that, that wouldn't be a, that wouldn't be a, a bad elimination at all. I think the feud's going to continue. I don't know okay, what the next I, match would be, I've though. mentioned that, and I've seen people like, no way, no way. And I'm like, I'm not talking about Sammy just up and picking him up and throwing him over. I'm talking about, like, Sammy on the ropes, and maybe Braun goes for, like, a running clothesline. Sammy ducks, and it's, like, one of those things where Braun's, like, teetering over, so, like, his weight mm-hmm. is going to lean him, and Sammy just gives him, like, that push. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah, I, I, I got to admit, I was very, like, uh, when they started this Sammy-Braun thing, and you know what? It's turned into one of the better things on Raw. Mm-hmm. That One of the very few good things they have on Raw is this, and... And not only Sammy making Braun look like a million bucks, but they are protecting Sammy in the sense that, think about it, the loss to Sammy, it was a last man standing match where Braun had to, like, murder him. People don't, people don't understand. It's like um, one of the best stories that I've ever saw in the past 10 years, and it's unfortunate because, you know, it was, it was in TNA, and if it was any other promotion, people would have been buzzing about it, was the rock star spud... EC3 story that ended with them having, I think they had like a street fight in the UK or something like that. And um, The Matt Hardy EC3, they had a couple of matches. Yeah, they had a street fight and then they had a cage match. Right, right, right. And uh, Spud was like a bloody mess, but uh, EC3 won the match. And, and when EC3 won, a lot of folks were like, you know, what was it all for? Like Because they were building that story for a long time, you know, where EC3 was basically just, you know, he was just being a bully, and, and he was, you know, just making fun of Rockstar Spud. And I kept telling fans the story that was being told was that EC3 was the bully and Spud was the victim. The whole point of the story was EC3 was basically saying, you can't hang with me, you're not in my league. Even though Spud lost, he proved that he could hang with EC3. And so even though Spud lost, once that match was over, EC3 never bullied him ever again. They just moved on and did their own thing. Just like how in real life, you know, if you're a bully, when you're trying to get the lunch money, you're looking at, okay, who can I get the $5 off that's not going to put the fight? You know, the bully is going to look at the guy that he thinks is not going to fight back. But then when that person does finally fight back, even if you do get beat up, the bully is going to know, okay, well, I can't fuck with this guy anymore because he's going to give me trouble. The bully doesn't want that. The bully wants the easy way out. So that bully is going to leave that guy alone. So like in the Sami Zayn, Braun Strowman thing, the story was is that they were saying, you know, you can't hang with Braun Strowman. You won't survive against Braun Strowman. And then Sammy proved that he could. He still mm-hmm. lost, but he could hang out with them. So even though he lost, it's kind of like he won. You don't really lose when you, when you confront a bully. Just confronting them and hanging with them. And it, it's not even won. that. You know what? If, 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 if they wanted to, they could have had Braun pin Sammy any number of times. You know, they could have just done a – you know – and give give them credit, and I'm, I'm telling you, keep an eye on him. I, I think he's a dark horse. I really wouldn't. I really think Sammy's a possibility to win the Rumble. I really do. I I, I do. 
If Sami Zayn won the Rumble, it would probably be the first genuine surprise victory in a long, long time. Because one of the one of the bad things about the Rumble, and this is something that I think probably the brand split will help with. One of the bad things about the Rumble is for a while now, for the past like six to seven years, it's been pretty obvious who's winning for the most part. I couldn't tell you the last Rumble where the person won, and I was like, oh, I didn't see that. You know, but one of the advantages you, of the brand split. I'll be is, honest with you, Sheamus. Sheamus was more of a, well, you thought you were going to go this way. But they went that well, you way. Had, you had Jericho. Everyone kind of knew Jericho Punk was happening at Mania. And then I remember it was in St. Louis, and a lot of people thought Orton was going to win that Rumble. Well, the thing about Sheamus wasn't too surprising because they were pushing him. The problem with Sheamus yeah, but, was there wasn't, they weren't really doing anything with his character at the time. He had the feud with Mark Henry where he kind of turned face because Mark Henry was being a bully. Yeah. And what I, what I remember about Sheamus was, like, during that period of time, one week he would fight, like, Wade Barrett, and then the week after that he would fight, like, I don't know, just some random baby face or something. Like, he was fighting, like, yeah. heels and faces. He was fighting everybody. Yeah, yeah he, he was he, trying he, to keep that character gray for a while. Yeah, yeah, he was kind of, like, all over the place. And then when it came time for Rumble, he wasn't really, like, in a story. But then Jericho came back, and really, in retrospect, um, not to bitch or get off topic, in retrospect, Jericho should have won that Rumble because they didn't really do anything to justify Sheamus, Daniel Bryan, because what happened was Sheamus won the Rumble, and then after that, they they slowly did Jericho Punk anyway. And then I remember Daniel Bryan won the Elimination Chamber and then Sheamus just Sheamus broke came kicked out them. and broke kicked them. Yeah, and they never really gave an explanation. Like, why did yeah. you, why did you choose the World Heavyweight Title? And it was just they they presented it in a way more like, well, Sheamus chose the World Heavyweight Title, and we, you as a fan are just supposed to be like, okay. They never really explained why. Like, like Sheamus won, but and I remember even after he won, like when he won, he wasn't even on TV for a bit. He was off TV for like. Almost a month. It was like three he weeks. Was, he was off TV until Elimination Chamber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In retrospect, Jericho really should have won, only because, like, at least with Jericho and Punk, there was a story. And even after WrestleMania, the story continued. Whereas, uh, But I see yeah. what you're saying. Like, the genuine, it was a genuine shock of Sheamus winning. Um, besides Sheamus, let's see. You could have had Sheamus win the Chamber for number one contender. You could have done that. That would have made and more sense. And then been like, okay, well, like, you could have had SmackDown go... And say, okay, Chris Jericho won the Rumble. He's going to challenge CM Punk. So now we need to, you know, figure out a a number one contender for the world title. These are the guys that are going to be in the chamber, Sheamus being one of them. Uh And then Sheamus wins the chamber. And it's like, okay, well, there's your Sheamus, Daniel Bryan. In fact, if Jericho had won, it would have made his – his silent troll gimmick even more funny because, you know, when you had the little tag matches where it was like Punk and Jericho and whoever, 
and then Punk Jericho wouldn't say anything, and you know you could have had Punk be like, "I know what you're doing. <laughs> you won the Rumble. I know you're going to challenge me for the title. Just just get it over with, man." And then you could have just had Jericho just act like he didn't know what Punk was talking about without actually saying anything. It would have been really entertaining mm-hmm. television. To me, to me that yeah. Jericho that Jericho angle really proved that fans have like no patience today. I thought that was great. How long did he go without talking? Was it like a month? I think the whole month of January. Man. And then he, he the night after the Rumble, I think he – did he win an elimination match? Is that what happened? He won like a – what did he Was win? there like a – No, no, there, there was like a battle royale, I think. Yeah, something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, Wade Barrett got won. hurt, remember? Wade Barrett yeah, got hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was a chamber, and he didn't win the chamber. Was he even in the chamber? I don't no, know if he was. No, no, you know what? He wasn't in the chamber. Okay. That's right. He won the Battle Royal or whatever on Raw, and then yeah. Punk had to defend the title in the chamber. Right. So, of course, it became a matter of who is Jericho going to Right, right. I, I remember that was when Barrett got hurt and Jericho like went out of character to check on him and then went back to being a heel. <laughs> yeah. Quick classic Jericho. So, yeah. Uh, let, me, let me use my memory. So, uh, so like, last year was, uh, was Triple H. That was obvious. Uh, 2015 was Roman. That was obvious. Uh, 2014 mm-hmm. was Batista. That Batista, was, obvious. That was, that was stupid, but still obvious. Stupid, but obvious. Uh, 2013 was was John Cena. Cena. I thought I thought I thought the Cena thing was obvious only because of the ads. The ads were pretty obvious that he was going to win. Um, 12 was Shane. We just talked about that. Uh, well, the 20... problem with Cena, the problem with the Cena win was, I remember it was one of those things where if A happens. B's going to happen. And I remember a lot of people were saying, whatever goes on first is going to dictate. Because I remember there was still a little gray area that, oh, maybe Rock will win by like DQ or something, but he won't. Maybe he won't win the title. You know, maybe they'll do Punk Taker for the title. It was all, you know, there was a lot of question marks. For, for me, but, I knew Cena was winning. And this is, this to me, really, this is what really got Cena heat. From the very beginning, it, it goes all the way back to like 2005, 2006. This is the thing that Cena always did, and he doesn't. He's starting to do it again, which is why a lot of fans are like, "Oh, he might turn heel." Um, the thing that Cena always did, and it's a really bad habit of his. I don't know why he does it. I don't know if he's told to do it or if it's just him. Hogan never did this. Austin never did this. Rock never did this. Brett never did this. Sometimes Sean would do it, but Cena did it way more. There was a Royal Rumble ad, I don't know if you remember it, where it was like they were like in a bar, and you had just like regular everyday people talking about the Royal Rumble and who they thought was going to win. Like one person would be like, oh, Ryback's going to win. Oh, Daniel Bryan's going to win. Oh, Kane's going to win. Oh, Wade Barrett's going to win. It would just have like different fans saying who was going to win. And then the camera would like zoom out, and it showed Cena sitting like at a bar, and he took off his hat, and the camera, like, zoomed on his face. And he just had, like, that smug, I'm going over, smile look on his face. You know exactly he what cut I'm talking that about. Promo, I, he, yeah, he cut that promo on AJ on Talking Smack last week. Yes, and he had that exact same smirk where he said, well, we're going to yep. fight, I'm going to win. That's just, that's just what's going to happen. Yep. It's that smirk. He has this, Cena always has, like, that I'm going over smug, and there's nothing you can mm-hmm. do about it. To me, that is really where, like the hate really started. I remember mm-hmm. I noticed I noticed that about him in like mid to late two thousand five. He had that smug look on his face when he fought Christian. He had that look on his face when he fought Jericho. 
He had the look on his face when he fought Angle, and it was like when he fought Angle, that was when many fans really started to like. That was because because when, when he lost it with Angle, I, I don't know how much you remember of '05, mm-hmm. but he lost it with Angle when, and I mean, I guess you could say it's not his fault exactly. He was beating Angle in submission matches, non-title yeah. submission matches on yeah. Raw, and that was like, oh fuck no, yeah, you know, let Angle tap him out on the. On those matches. And I remember another bad one, too. Uh, I don't know how I remember this. I remember, uh, oh, boy, uh, the dude from Wrestling Roundtable, Eric Santamaria, the one that oh, Jay doesn't like. I remember I remember he legit broke his TV. Um, I believe it was to the build-up to WrestleMania, was it 23? That was where John Cena fought Shawn Michaels, right? 23, yeah. Yeah, and I remember John Cena had a match with Chris Benoit, and he made yes. Benoit tap out. he beat out. Benoit with the STFU. Yeah, he yeah, he made Benoit tap I remember so yeah. many fans were like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I remember I remember the son of Rhea guy, he actually, like, he had, like, a beer thing, and he threw it at his TV. He legit, like, broke it. Yeah, I mean, having having guys like Benoit angle tap out, like, mm, that's. That's not very smart. <laughs> so. Yeah. What's What's interesting about twenty three though, which everyone it, it gets lost in it. If Hunter doesn't get hurt, Hunter beats him. Well, they were going to do a rematch. That was the original plan. Mm-hmm. Was Hunter yeah. was going to beat him at twenty three? That would have been interesting. Twenty three yeah. is kind of um. I need I need to go back and watch that show. My memory of it is very fuzzy. I remember good things. Um, that's the yeah. most fuzzy Money in the Bank. I, I don't remember anything about that Money in the Bank. Um, was that 2007? 2007 was a very dark year for me in wrestling. <laughs> so, well, yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, you got a point though. Getting back on topic, uh, Sammy is a dark horse. Uh, I think Strowman's a dark horse too. I think really what's going to happen with Strowman, I think it's just depending on whether or not how fans respond to him because I think he's supposed, obviously, he's supposed to be a monster heel. But if fans start responding to him really well which would be kind of weird because that's kind of like what should be happening with Roman, but that's another story. If if fans start responding to Strowman, which I think they will, because from what I can see, he's starting to get over, kind of. I yeah. think a, a good old-fashioned monster is is, uh, yeah. is, uh, is something you don't really see. And this feud with Sammy is what's doing it. This feud with Sammy is what's doing it because, you know what, they could have easily, like I said before, and I, I don't want to keep repeating myself on it, but they could have months ago, had Braun pin Sammy and just move on to the next guy. You know, move on to this one, move on to that one. And they haven't done it. And you're actually seeing, like, the fact that Braun was pissed that Sammy lasted 10 minutes with him at, what was that, Roadblock, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the night after on Raw, he just came out and just started murdering everybody. That showed, you know, that this guy needs to. You know, this guy's out for blood on people. Mm-hmm. And I, I still know. think the big money match is uh, Strowman Lesnar. I would like to see that at some point. I don't know when or where, but somewhere I would like to see the match. You know um, how you get to it? I'll tell you. Simple. Simple, Chris. And it's one of the beauties that comes with with Lesnar and his schedule. Have Lesnar come out the night after WrestleMania. Have Heyman cut his promo about 
how he he conquered Goldberg and he solidified himself as the true monster, the true beast of, you know, the WWE. And at that moment, hit Braun's music and have Braun destroy him. And there's Brock's absence until July. Yeah, that's cool. I, I think know? at some point they have to, uh, at some point, I, I like your idea, but at some point they're going to feed show to Strowman. That's where all this is going to, you know, as the official passing of the torch. But you know what, you know what's fun? You know what's weird though about that? They, they canceled the body slam challenges. They never happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Over, they were supposed to happen over the holiday tour. They didn't. They were doing Sammy Strowman matches, which might tell me that, that might, they might have bigger plans for him. Because if they want him working with Sammy on the road, obviously they want him to get better. You know? He's, he's yeah, a we, very interesting guy. He's a very... Uh, I listened to his podcast of Steve Austin. Uh, he's see, come a long way. I remember he's he, on Tinder? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he listens to he listens to Tupac like when he's writing to yeah. the next show. So he's pretty interesting. And uh, I remember he said in the interview with Steve Austin that like uh, his legs were so bad at one point. I think he said his wife had to... Uh, put his shoes on for him. And I'm like, yeah, man, I, I've been there before with my mom. So but she can put on her shoes on by herself mm-hmm. now. So he's really come a long way. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy yeah. for him. And I'm all for, uh, for uh, natural talent. Not that I have anything against indie guys being pushed, but we need and, more, and you know what, more natural you know what guys. going to be for all the negative about the brand split and this and that. He's going to be a guy. I remember we looked at it with the draft and it was like, why the hell did they separate him? Mm-hmm. Well, and he's definitely he's, going to be one of the few beneficiaries of it. Yeah, so, he, he's yeah, yeah. taken off. You know, he's not I, – I don't think Rowan could have done this if they would no. have separated Rowan. Mm. Harper, to a different degree, could have done – could have survived on his own. But very few guys, when they take them, you know, and separate them from what kind of brought them to the table, very few guys take off. More often than not, they, they, they fall flat, and they got to find a way to get them back to what works. And, and he has taken this, and he has, he has ran with it. Speaking of Harper, I don't really agree with what they did uh, last week. I see where it's going, though, but I, I just disagree with that because I think the, the Wyatt family thing with Orton is actually over, and fans are really into it. So I think that's something they could have done a little bit longer before they did that. I mean, it was their first defense, for God's sakes. So I was really starting to feel good about Bray Wyatt, too. Oh, well. <laughs> I was I was trying to get used to the visual of him holding a title. About this today. I think they're going to rematch Alpha at the Rumble. They can. I could see them turning around and, what you call it, I could see the implosion there. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be a fan of that, though. I, I just think that it's really over. Fans are really responding to it very well. Yeah, but well. you know what? Here's what I would do different, and I said this to, I said this to somebody before. I'd have, I'd have Gordon and Harper turn on Bray. Mm-hmm. And Gordon have and Harper Bray turn become, on Bray. And have Bray become the face, so that at the February pay-per-view, you could do Bray-Harper with the caveat being Bray beats Harper and then gets Orton at WrestleMania, and that's how that's where you get Bray his WrestleMania win. Oh, okay. Okay. 
I think you know, it's also going to be a, a telling. Uh, by the way, like, I think I, someone brought this up to my attention. I haven't really been paying attention to this. Someone told me that SmackDown, another thing that's helping SmackDown is uh, they got most of the better pay-per-views. Like they got Elimination Chamber. Uh, they got Money in the Bank. And they got TLC. I don't, I don't understand how they got Money in the Bank. How are you going to do Money in the Bank on one brand? I don't understand that. Simple. You just it's just the one, just like how it used to be, just one on that one brand, I guess. I no, think the real. I think the real no. question is is if they have Money in the Bank on SmackDown, when's the draft? Because then that person with the Money in the Bank could be drafted to Raw. Mm. So that way, it may not be like a. If that's the case, it may not be like. Remember how it used to be like a red suitcase, a blue suitcase. Mm-hmm. I think the color of the suitcase will be a telling sign because we don't know for sure when the when the draft thing is. Because if the person has it, then you know they could be drafted. So, mm-hmm. but but someone brought it to my attention that SmackDown has the better pay per views, which also doesn't do Raw any favors. Like the SmackDown has Money in the Bank, they have Elimination Chamber, they have TLC. What does Raw have? Pretty much the only show Raw has is like Hell in a Cell. I never really noticed that until a friend brought it up to my attention. I'm like, yeah, that's not really a fair trade. There should probably be some type of compromise there. I would probably have like, uh, uh, well, Hell in a Cell needs to be done with, needs to be done away with entirely. But I don't. I yeah, don't just think feature the match. Don't make a whole. Yeah, yeah. Event I, I, don't, I don't. I don't think SmackDown should have Hell in a Cell and the Money in the Bank. That is not. No. Fair. That's a little overkill. <laughs> they probably didn't think about it since the shows are so far apart. But um, but I, I think what's what's also going to happen is probably in the elimination chamber match, regardless of who's in it. I imagine that all three members of the Wyatt family will probably be in the match: Orton, Wyatt, and um, Harper, and probably like uh, AJ, Cena, and probably Corbin or someone like that. And I think there'll probably be like more Wyatt family stuff. It's always interesting to have a faction in a, mm-hmm. in a chamber, which is something that WWE has never really fooled around with that much. And it looks like, uh, uh, unless I'm wrong here, last night on Raw, uh, the New Day said that they're putting their hat in the Royal Rumble. And uh, yep. one of the big one of the big criticisms about the New Day is, um, you know, how come they haven't been put in a in a in a in a match like this before? Because last year it was just Kofi. And every time that they do Money in the Bank, it's just one member. So they've purposefully avoided putting them all in a match where they could potentially be facing each other. And I knew eventually, sooner or later, it was going to happen. So finally we're going to get a, a potential – we're going to see what happens here with the New Day. I, I doubt we'll get something you know, too significant, but there's definitely going to be something to happen here. I don't think we're going to get a a traditional breakup. I don't think there's going to be a turn. I don't think any member is going to go heel, though Kofi should. But I don't I don't think that they should. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's probably going to be one of those sort of they're going to go their separate ways sort of kind of. That would be of. so disappointing if they did that. Yeah, that's just kind of what I feel that they will do. Um, as a feel-good ending, sort of. But in my opinion, Kofi should go heel. It's this long over. Like, really, really go heel. You know, like, real, real, real heel Kofi. That's what I would do. My prediction is, unfortunately, I hope I'm wrong, my prediction is that Xavier will become a cruiserweight. Big E will, will be in contention for the universal title. And Kofi will just be stuck in, his, in the same spot he was in before. 
you know, like U.S. IC title, tag title, whatever. So, but if it was up to me, I would have Kofi turn on them both. That's what I would do. I would do it for two reasons. One is the is the turn you would least expect because people that I talk to, they keep telling me that they think Xavier would turn because he because he's clearly the brain of the operation, kind of like Seth. And I see fans think that Big E would turn because since he's bigger and stronger, he's probably going to be like, oh, I don't need these guys, you know, kind of like Batista and Evolution, right? Mm-hmm. So, so to me, Kofi is the one that you would least expect to turn. And also, um, throughout a lot of the New Day's run, it's been very, very small and very subtle. But sometimes when they're clowning Kofi, you'll hear Kofi say, excuse me, I'm the veteran here. You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They, don't, they, don't, they don't really do much with it because he is the veteran. Kofi, yeah. one of those, Kofi is the veteran. He's one of those guys that's a veteran, but for some reason, he's one of those guys that's a veteran, but like fans kind of forget that he is because of, mm-hmm. his, because of his booking and because of his placement on the card. Kind of like Alicia Fox. She's a veteran of the women's division, but no one sees her that way because she's yeah. never been used that way. So I think if you had Kofi turn heel, it would be the most shocking. You know? So when they, when they had Seth Rollins go heel, it was a good shock factor moment but it's become apparent that he wasn't the person they should have turned. Roman or Ambrose would have, you know, benefited from the heel turn more. But Rollins was definitely the person that I that I least expected to turn, and it created a very shocking moment. And so that's why I would have Kofi turn. But my gut tells me that not one of them is going to turn. But I'm I'm just really interested to see what they're going to do here because I've always wanted to see uh, New Day and Money in the Bank or like Royal Rumble, and we're finally going to get it here. And um, we'll have to see what, what they're going to do here. Um, so, I mean, they've already lost their tag team rematch. So, um, and they are, I mean, they've already started, you know, Titus called Xavier the weak link, you know, so it's starting, you know, it's uh, nothing too significant yet, but you see, you see the road and where it's ending. And where uh, it's if they all work Enzo and Cass at Mania, I could see them in a triple threat, kind of like Legacy. Yeah. Yeah. Where they just want to see who the best member is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's a shame if they if they don't if they don't have that feud with Enzo and Cat. You know that they that's should, I think that's money on the t- left on the table. They should before they end as a team. I, I would like to see that give them a big win. It won't be for a title, but it'll still give them a really big rub. Yeah, but even the mic work between Enzo and and Xavier. You know, the handful of times they've been in the ring together. You know, it, it, it's they've connected. You know, mm-hmm. so it's you know. Although I, I won't lie, I, I do like the idea of the club and you know maybe Cesaro and Sheamus. Call Anderson getting the win last night was was nice. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll see where it goes. Um, before we jump into Wrestle Kingdom, I, you and I have talked about this on Facebook together. I'm done with the Hardy compound stuff. I, I, I think they have... Hello? Yeah, I'm listening to you. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think it's over. I, I really do. I, I think it has run its course... The fact that last week uh, Vanguard One was drunk and it was basically around a a, a gender reveal 
I'm sorry. I'm I'm done. I'm done with it. I I think it's run its course. I I I don't think there's anything left you can do. You know, and plus they're teasing stuff for this Thursday. Like, you know, you you took this thing from a novelty to this is what basically your company needs to survive. And I'll be honest with you, if I'm a talent on that roster, I'm I'm offended. I'm pissed. You know, instead of wasting six segments on this on this thing, you know what? Give me six minutes, you know, to do what I, you know, and we go, you know, we go from there. You know, it's I, I don't know. I, I'm I I think unfortunately I think they've they've ruined they've they've killed it. You know, I I I think they've gone to the well too many times. Um, I mean, does it still hold any real value for you or um I just think he's done as much as he can do in TNA. I just think that he That's needs That's the other aspect. Yeah, I just think that he needs um he needs more material. Um what made the Undertaker's character work? I've said this for for many years is that what made his character work was that over the years WWF kept getting new talent for him to work with. He kept getting mm-hmm. new guys. And you know like you know first he was with, you know, you know, he was working with like, you know, Warrior and and Kamala, Papa Shango, you know, uh Big King Kong Bundy, Big Daddy yeah, Cool Diesel, Psycho Sid. work with from here? Like there's no They've one left, with, you know. There, there, I mean the tribunal no left the company. Those guys are gone. Mm-hmm. The K's gone. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess maybe the feud with D C C never fully ended, but I mean yeah. even after that who do you work with them with? You know, there, there's really nothing left. But the reason I was bringing up Taker is because, you know, what made Taker's character work was there was always a monster for him to feud with. They, WWF was Vince McMahon was very good at that. You know, every year he always got a monster. There was never a shortage of monsters for Taker to feud with. You know, uh, King Kong, Bundy, uh, uh, Papa Shango, Psycho Sid, Diesel, Kane, Mankind. You know, you need characters to. Uh, to, to balance off your character. And, you know, I remember when Cody left, um, Matt Hardy posted a hilarious picture uh, where it was like um, he called Cody, what did he call Cody? I forgot what he called him. He called him like a handsome warrior. Yeah, he said he couldn't wait to sink his teeth in the handsome warrior of McMahon. You know how he says McMahon, McMahon or something like that. I thought it was really funny. And um, when Cody was in TNA, they never did anything. You know, I'm sure they may have, yeah, they, they never did anything. They never worked at Angle or anything like that. So, you know. Hello? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Sorry about that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I don't know what's going on with TalkShoot today. It's Yeah, well, the weather know. is kind of fritzy. But, uh, yeah, but, yeah bro- Broken Matt, he's kind of out, he's kind of out of folks to work with. Um, He's worked with everyone. Um, there, the only there's some things they could do to freshen it up. Um, to me, because to me the peak of it obviously was with Brother Nero, Jeff. That was the best. Um, uh, I liked the the uh, decay feud. That was good. Um, the BD, the the BDD. What, what are they called? The BCC. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know what they're called. Um, there's them. Um, really, like the only people that the only thing that they could do, they could turn EC3 heel. I think EC3 heel. I think and that's happening. I, I, I think – I'm glad you brought up EC3 real quick. They're taping like 14 shows this 
this week, in the next week, starting Thursday, by the time those tapings are over, EC3 is heel and he's champ. Yeah. To me, there are some dudes that a lot of fans were saying were, were stagnating in 2016. I don't think they were stagnating. I just think that some guys prefer to work heel. And the two that stand out to me are EC3 and Jay Lethal. Because when fans were buzzing about them, they were both heels. And as well, faces, I'm they're good. I'm going to be honest with you, Chris. I think, and I know this is crazy to say, it's only been a year. I think, I think they've blown their load with Bennett. If they're not going to put the title on him, I, yeah. I, I don't know where Bennett goes from here. Yeah, he's he's pretty much. You know, unfortunately, I I think, you know, I, I yeah I I I'm as, very. As they you know, say, uh, Bennett. Unfortunately for him, he is the uh, he's the bridesmaid, never the bride. He's uh, Bennett is always going to be um, just because like he's a good talent. He's he's a good hand, but he's not a great hand. He's Bennett, unfortunately, he's going to be uh, – he's always going to be like number two or number three, the number two or number three heel at the time. He's always going to get he, out-heeled. Yeah, but he came, in, he came in hot enough that if you would have turned around, and especially the way they were setting it up, you could have booked him and EC3 around the title. And even if they would have traded the title with each other, that mm-hmm. would have worked. They, you know – well, I don't know. I, I can tell you, I can tell you where he can be successful, but it would require a lot of pride swallowing. Um, I think if he was to go to NXT, I think that he he has a chance of being NXT champion there. Once guys like Nakamura and Joe and Rude get called up, he but, would need. I love Bennett, I really do, but I think he would need a mass talent exodus, and just have to be that guy there at the time. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, I don't think he could go in there, even if Nakamura went, or let's say Rude went up to the main roster, because Rude is obviously the top heel on NXT right now. And you replaced Rude with Bennett. I don't think Bennett beats Nakamura. I mean, if Maria's on the side, there's shenanigans and stuff. Eh. But I I think if, not that I'm knocking him, but like, let's say you got to a point where Nakamura, Joe, and Rude were on the main roster, and let's say like Roderick Strong was running around as your champion, mm-hmm. I think then you could put you could put Bennett over Roddy. I mean, he, he's a good talent. He's just not a great talent. He's he's good. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, yeah. I don't I don't, I don't want to sound condescending, but I mean, as Triple no. H would say, not everybody can be a main eventer. Not yeah. everyone's going to be one. Um, yeah. Ben is cool. The only the only issue I have with him, and and again, again, it's just one of those things in the business. You know, it's just, it's depending on whether you're old or new, everyone has a different opinion on it. The only thing about Ben that I worry about is I see what he's doing, but sometimes real life stuff happens. Like his career is too attached to his wife Maria. He, he exactly. He needs to establish himself without right. her. And and I remember when we interviewed him three years ago. He did say if she had to go to one company and he had to go to another, they were okay with it, which is that's half the battle right there. You've got half these couples that, oh, no, 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 if you don't take her, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going. But he may need that, mm-hmm. you know. That was when I worried see. about him the most in Ring of Honor because when they had the whole kingdom thing, when they were a faction, even when they were a faction, because they were a group for a while, it was like Adam – Matt, 
Bob Bennett, Matt Hardy, and Maria. And even though they mm-hmm. were, like, you know, doing tag stuff, Cole would have a singles match. The fans would react to him. Even Taven, he would have a singles match, and the fans would react to him. But if, if, if like, there is some type of, you know, something I need to see Bennett in a match with, without her. So to see whether or not they're reacting to him or her. And they never did. They never did yeah. in Ring of Honor. That never happened. Every time he yeah. came out without her, the fans always chanted, where is Maria? It's yep. the same problem that uh, I feel so sorry for those guys. What were those dudes on NXT? They're totally forgotten about now. Those dudes Alexa Bliss was with. Oh, Blake and Murphy. Yeah, Blake and Murphy. Like two very talented guys, but they had like no in-ring presence or charisma. And it was like whenever Alexa wasn't there, it was like the fans didn't care. I remember there was even like a backstage segment or something. I forgot what when this was. This must have been like after Aries showed up. It was like I forgot Aries was talking to Regal about something, and then Blake and Murphy came in, and Aries was like, "How dare you come in here without Alexa?" And then Alexa shows up, and he's like, "Oh, okay." Like you know, even Aries was joking about it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, so it's like when you have like no on-screen presence, and then you need a woman to keep you over. Like that's not good because like what happens if the woman's not there? Or, yeah, that, like, that's that's the problem. Is like. You know, but I like the know, that, but I I agree with you. I like the miracle concept when he came in, especially when you consider the situations that TNA has been in, because TNA really does need a miracle, you know, to, to recover. So I've always liked the name. I've always liked the pun, and I do agree. Like when when he first came in, they could have just Christian caged him. They could have just given him the rocket. But uh, unfortunately for him, um, and to TNA's credit, you know, not to throw too much shade at them, you know, because they did a good job last year. To TNA's credit, they just had a lot of good acts around the same time last year. They had a uh, Big Money Matt, they had Broken Matt, they had a uh, Destroyer Lashley. Um, yeah. You know, they had a lot of good acts, you know. So and no one's really giving TNA credit for it. They did, you know, some of the yeah, best and acts he, and came he, and from TNA. And he hung with them. He this wasn't a case of he got lost in the shuffle of all those guys. He hung with them. Mm-hmm. He did his own thing. You know, and, and he was actually, like, a cool, like, gray area guy in the sense of, you know, he was feuding with EC3, but he would also tell Lashley, hey, big man, I want your title. Mm-hmm. TNA you know, is very good at that. They're very good. That's yeah. the one thing they do. They don't have – TNA is one of the few companies where it's not, like, heels or buddy-buddy just because they're heels and faces are buddy-buddy just because they're faces, they still have like this sort of like, Hey, we're teaming up for right now, but I still don't like you. Or like, I still want your title or whatever. I wish that other companies would do it. Even ring of honor in new Japan. Don't do that. TNA is one of the few places that have kept that alive. I will give them that. So, um, but yeah, I don't know what's next for, um, I don't know what's next for Bennett. He needs to think of something soon. And, uh, I do remember yeah. what you were talking about when, uh, when Jay did interview him. So, I know he's a big Triple H fan, so, um, and, you know, Brie Bella, she's pregnant now, and Nikki's doing her own thing, so I, I don't see any issue why Maria and uh, and uh, Bennett wouldn't want to go to NXT someday. Uh, they don't have to worry about Cena or the Bellas there. I think that NXT would be very good for Maria to reinvent herself because the reality is she's very good, she's very talented, and she's a good heel. But in the WWE crowd, she never really got a chance yeah, to show I'll that side of her. Cena, which would worry me if I was, I'll be honest with you. And I, I get this from watching Total Bellas. Don't laugh. Okay. Cena seems like the type of guy that even if there was he, I don't know, six, seven years ago between Nikki, Brie, and Maria, Cena strikes me as the type of guy 
that would make his life a living hell. Oh, well, according to JTG, Cena is that type of guy. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, but I think they would both benefit like, oh, from so your 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 wife didn't like my girlfriend, you know. Mm. You know, ten years ago. Well, now you're gonna pay. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Cena strikes me as that type. All right. Uh, you want to jump into Wrestle Kingdom real quick before I gotta hop off? I gotta go do a few things. Yeah, sure, sure. So, uh, Wrestle Kingdom 10 is uh, is tonight. So, uh, just some casual stuff to go through for uh, first timers. Um, Wrestle Kingdom is January 4th. It's always January 4th every year. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom is the first wrestling show of the year every year. And, and so, real quick, just to put a historical spin on it, just because it's Wrestle Kingdom 11 doesn't mean this is only the 11th time they've done this show. The New Japan Tokyo Dome show has been a January 4th tradition for years. Oh, I, shit, we're at a point now where I could even say decades. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's been a while. It's always been a, a presence, mm-hmm. you know, in Japan. And, uh, you know, just because, like I said, just because it says 11 doesn't mean it's only been 11 years. I, I remember, and WCW used to have a big presence sometimes on the New Japan Tokyo Dome, but January 4th in Japan was, no matter what day the week it fell on, that was Russell, That was their WrestleMania. Yeah, it, it is the WrestleMania. That's, that's basically what this is. And this isn't to throw shade at WWE. You know, there's wrestling fans, there's sports entertainment fans, there's WWE fans, you know. Just like how fans get excited for WrestleMania on WrestleMania weekend, you know, there's the Hall of Fame, there's the takeovers now, there's manias and stuff like that. That's what this is for for wrestling fans outside of WWE. This this, this show is for Ring of Honor, this show is for and TNA. It's, and it's, this not show just, is... it's not just the show to, later tonight. It's the follow-up one tomorrow because, mm-hmm. you know, to go back to last year, all the big stuff didn't happen on January 4th. It, it came out of that January 5th show. Right, the next night. So they, they, have, they have a a shout out to that too, but this 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 show is essentially the WrestleMania for for wrestling fans, and and this isn't me, you know, trying to be JD or throwing shade at WWE. WWE is sports entertainment, and and that's a different genre. So this is a big deal. Um, now for some confusion for the fans, it's on January fourth. So what what confuses a lot of casual fans is is that when they hear the shows on January fourth, they're thinking the pay per view is going to be like at seven or eight. No, and this is where like the the gap comes in, and this is where it gets hard. Um, the show is like three thirty in the morning. Yeah, the show starts at like um, at like three to three thirty a.m. in the morning, which is going to be like the afternoon over there. So it starts after midnight. So um, that's that's when it starts. Uh, you can watch the show on New Japan World, which is their streaming service, just like the WWE Network. It's actually eight ninety nine, one dollar cheaper, and uh, there is a translation thing at the top of the page that translates everything into English. Uh, sometimes they have. Um, Who's doing eight- commentary? Because didn't last year didn't Jr. and Stryker do commentary? Yeah, right, right. Sometimes they have English commentary. Um, they have English commentators. It's usually like Jr. or Matt Stryker or Kevin Kelly or some variation of of those three. Um, that other guy, uh, what's his name? Uh, the son- Chael Sonnen, is that his name? The UFC dude? Yes. 
you know, sometimes he's there too. So they actually have uh, English uh, commentators there. Uh, another difference between Wrestle Kingdom that fans need to know is that uh, Wrestle Kingdom, they don't call them matches. They call them games. That's just what they do, you know. So game one, game two, game three, game four. Um, this is another difference that a lot of uh, first-time fans need to be aware of uh, if, you've, if you've never watched Wrestle Kingdom before. Um, Wrestle Kingdom is treated more like a sport. So with WrestleMania, you know, there's you know the national anthem, there's the video packages, there's the backstage vignettes, there's the interviews, there's the pre-show, there's all this stuff jailed in with the matches. Wrestle Kingdom is treated more like a sport. So even though most of the time Wrestle Kingdom has like 10 matches or more, it's like match one, and then immediately after that it's match two, immediately after that match three. Like there are no vignettes. There are no batch stage segments. It's just literally like just match after match after match, uh-huh. no break. So it's much, much faster compared to what you're used to. Now, there is an intermission period. Usually after about five or six matches, there's an intermission period. The intermission period usually lasts around 25 to 30 minutes. And then during that period of time, they'll show a recap, basically showing you what's happened thus far. And then once the intermission is over, they continue. So it's sort of like a play. Act one, act two, intermission, act three, the end, sort of. Um, it's much, much faster. Because of the faster pace, uh, some fans have a hard time getting into it because some fans that are more used, that are more accustomed to the sports entertainment style, they like, you know, they like the, the vignettes, they like the backstage segments, they like the long entrances because they know during those periods of time, if they need to, they can leave the room. You know, they can use the restroom, they can take a smoke, they can fix something, they can make a phone call, they can check the internet. So some fans, they like that style and they don't like the fact that New Japan doesn't have it. But then other fans, they like New Japan for that same reason because the matches get faster and faster and faster as the car goes on. And so they compare it kind of like to a thriller movie, like a really good thriller like uh, Air Force One or The Fugitive, both Harrison Ford movies, coincidence. Lulz. So it just gets better and better and better. Probably the, the, the number one thing that Wrestle Kingdom does, and I don't know, I give them credit for this. They do this every year. They're so good at this. And this is something that WWE really needs to do. The one thing Wrestle Kingdom does, and I give them all the credit in the world, is the matches progressively get better as the card goes on. They're so good at that. And that is something that you're not used to in America because here in America, not just WWE, but TNA does it, Ring of Honor does it. Here in America, the first match is always like a a fast-paced match, like a ladder match or like a six-man tag match or something. Then after that, things slow down for like two matches, and then things pick up again. Like, no, in Wrestle Kingdom, the first match is usually like a battle royale. The second match is like a a six-man tag or an eight-man tag. The next match after that is a tag match. And then like the fourth and fifth match is usually when you start to notice. Like the, the one that really blew everyone away was Wrestle Kingdom 9, and that was the one uh, two years ago. That was the one that Aaron and myself watched together. That was my introduction to New Japan. That show, I remember they did, uh, they did like Nakamura Abushi, and then after that, they did Styles Naito, and then after that, they did Tanahashi Okada, and it was like, like wow, like just three badass matches in a row. And I was just, I was so exhausted, but I was so like energetic. And like, if you were to see that in WWE, there's no way they would have did that. They would, they would have had the three matches like separated across the card. It's just a difference. Yeah. Some people prefer it the other way. 
Some fans prefer it different ways. So, but um, that's basically what it is. But uh, even though Wrestle Kingdom has like ten matches or something, because there are no you know backstage vignettes and stuff like that, the show goes by much much faster if that makes sense. So, um, but this this show is a big deal. It's a big deal, and and a lot of fans really don't understand. Um, the importance of this show. Uh, this show usually has around, I want to say, like around sixty-five thousand to like eighty thousand people. So this is not like a small indie thing by any means. Like the amount of people that attended this show is the amount of folks that you would see attend like a SummerSlam or a Survivor Series or a Royal Rumble. Not necessarily a WrestleMania, but this is a strong B-show like level in terms of like attendance records. Like more people attend this show than a regular episode of Monday Night Raw. This is the biggest wrestling show not affiliated with WWE that happens. It's the first show of the year. Simply being on this card, it does not matter. I remember when uh, Edge, when he was on, he was on some interview. I forgot when this happened. It was like two or three years ago. Someone asked Edge's opinion about The Rock coming back when he worked the match against John Cena. Edge said that if he was part of the roster, his goal was just simply to be on the card just so he could get the payday, which is smart from Edge's standpoint, smart. Just being on the Wrestle Kingdom card increases your stock like tenfold. Everything AJ Styles did is amazing. I'm not shitting on his work. His TNA stuff was great. His Ring of Honor stuff was great. But the reason WWE gave him the call is because he was on Wrestle Kingdom. That's the main reason why he got this call. His match with Naito and his match with Nakamura. Those were the two matches that got Triple H was like, you know what, we need to sign this guy. Nakamura's match with Ibushi is what got Nakamura in WWE. Ibushi's match with Nakamura is what got him in WWE or NXT or whatever. Just being on this card will automatically increase your it increases your stock, it increases your money, and it makes you desirable by every company out there. I cannot express how important it is. It does not matter where you are in the card. It doesn't matter if you're it in the battle It doesn't matter if you go over or not. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Just being on this card, that's all you need to do. And the cool thing about Wrestle Kingdom, what I like about it the most, and this is, this is to me where, like, where Aaron and I really enjoy it, is – um, it has everyone on it. Like it has talents from TNA, talents from Ring of Honor, talents from New Japan, talents from PWG. It's basically like a who's who of everyone that's not in WWE, and uh-huh. and it's it's just cool. So if you watch everything, it's kind of like a Wrestle Kingdom is kind of like a crossover. You know, crossovers are really popular nowadays with movies and Marvel and stuff. But it's like a crossover. It's like for one night, all these wrestling companies come together and just make like this this super show. And to New Japan's credit, they've been doing a better job uh, of, in, of incorporating stuff. But I've, I've given it enough build-up. We've gone over most of the matches before. I'm not going to go over all of them right now. But uh, I'll go over uh, to the, the three big ones that fans are talking about. Uh, uh, as we talked about, I think, on one of our last shows before 2016 ended, uh, Cal O'Reilly and Adam Cole will be having um, their match for the Ring of Honor title here at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, this is the second time, this is only the second time the Ring of Honor title has been defended at Wrestle Kingdom. The first time was, I think, last year. It was Jay Lethal against Michael Elgin. Uh, 
So the decision for the rematch to take place here was very surprising to many Ring of Honor fans because uh, Ring of Honor usually has their title matches at Final Battle, like the rematch usually takes place at Ring of Honor. But they're doing it here. I have not checked on their contract status in like three days. Last I checked, Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole, neither one of them have signed, re-signed no. the Ring of Honor. So I, I don't know. What no, I'm... neither one as of like Friday when I looked. Neither one resigned. Yeah, know. yeah. And just so yeah. fans know, like this, this, like we're getting close because I remember specifically where I was because when, when that, when the, when the leaks of AJ, Nakamura, Gallows, and Anderson, when that leaked, it was January third, and I remember it was like ten forty-five going on eleven, like two to three hours before showtime. This happens every year. New Japan, um, I mean, I can't fault them because obviously they're doing something right. So who am I to say they should change their, you know, their, their format? But the way New Japan operates is they set it up where their wrestlers, their talents, uh, uh, they re-sign the day of Wrestle Kingdom, which I don't think is very smart. Because what do you do if, if someone has your title and they're like, well, I want out? Or what do you do if you plan on putting the belt on someone and they say, well, I want out? Well, that's well, just how they do obviously, it. Obviously, all you do is you strip them of the title at a press conference instead of <laughs> them putting over the guy they should put over. Listen, I, I, I'm sorry to say that, but let's be honest. They fucking, they, if they lose Omega, <laughs> go ba- I'm serious. You're laughing at me. If Omega turns around tonight and says, I'm not re-signing, look back to that. I heard there's a lot of little things, even though they put the rocket on him and they pushed him to the top, I heard there's a lot of little things that they've also done. The fact that he did not get to beat Nakamura for the title, the fact that his IC title reign was so short, I've heard there's a lot of little things. He that, did have a short run, that is true. I didn't think about that. That Omega has not exactly been thrilled about, and if they lose him... They're going to have no one to blame but themselves. And I yeah. know the whole thing with the interview a couple of weeks ago. Oh, we're going to war against WWE, basically. Yeah, you, you know what? WWE Monopoly. Yeah, you got you a lot of gonna, Well, I'm, I think I'm not talking me about Me personally, Nate, Nate thinks that, I know Nate trolls a lot. He thinks it's a work. He thinks it's all part of a story for when he shows up in NXT. I actually agree with him. So I do, too. So... Um, I think I'm going to be honest with you, not to delve on roles for Omega too much. I think everyone's saying, oh, they're going to do the shield against the club with either AJ or Balor at the helm. I don't think it's going to be either. I, I, I could see Omega getting a monster run. And if they're going to do the shield, they're going to turn around and do it with Omega and the club. I think the club, I think this is the chance with the Cesaro and Sheamus feud to get the belts on them dominate them, and then have Omega pop up. I still yeah. stand by what somebody told me about four or five months ago. If Hunter has his way, Omega Nakamura is happening at TakeOver Orlando. Yeah, I, I can, and the story is already there. We've already seen, yep. we've already seen with, with uh, Owens and Zayn that the, the good thing about NXT is that Triple H, he knows the fan base, he knows the fan audience, he knows that NXT fans are wrestling fans, and he knows that the NXT fans are aware of the guys in Ring of Honor and TNA in New Japan. So when these guys show up, he doesn't try to hide it. He just embraces it. That was, that was probably the most positive thing I've ever said about Triple H. So if Omega shows up, 
if Nakamura has a match of Rude at, say, the January takeover and beats him, and then the lights go out, lights come back on, there's Omega, one wing angel, like, fans are not going to bitch him on because they already know the story. Fans already know. Nakamura, you were the IWGP Intercontinental Champion, and you left without fighting me because you were a coward. You were afraid. You've been ducking me for one year. You're an uncrowned champion. You don't deserve that belt. I'm better than you. Like, there you go, right there. There's your story. Just just a straight-up, like, just, just, just how it is. And it'll work. It would never work in WWE, but it'll work in NXT because NXT are wrestling fans, and they follow everything. So it'll work, and it'll probably be better than anything WrestleMania 33 could possibly produce, probably. So, yeah, I say that pretty confidently, yeah. But uh, uh, right now, it's like uh, currently it's 441, and like last year, that's exactly when the sh- when everything started to leak. It was around like 1045 going to 11. So we still got a few hours left. And um, so, But, yeah, as, as JCD said, uh, as of right now, and, again, things could change, but as of right now, Kyle O'Reilly or Adam Cole have not re-signed with Ring of Honor, yet they're fighting for the Ring of Honor title at Wrestle Kingdom. I don't know what that is about. That's really weird. Uh, we've already talked about Adam Cole's status. I believe his status is up in, like, April. Cal O'Reilly, I have no idea when his status is up, but obviously he hasn't he's up, re-signed. He's up. he's up short, like, literally, I think, in, like, a week. Jesus Christ. Ring of Honor needs to get better at that shit, man. Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor, from what I understand, what they do is – they're under the impression that these guys are going to re-sign. Fuck that. No, fuck these handshake agreements. You need to just, you need to, like, negotiate this shit before. I'll give WWE credit with that. They don't, they don't, WWE, even even for the low-card dudes, like, you know, fucking, um, like, Slater or anyone, like, WWE, like, if there's someone's contract that's expiring in, like, June, they're already talking to them in, like, March. You know, yeah. I'll give that to WWE. They, they're very good on that. They don't wait until, like, it's a week or whatever. The only time that ever happened was, like, Punk. But in Punk's case, that was just him not giving them an Punk, answer. Yeah, Punk was a freak occurrence, but... Yeah, yeah, um, but... Uh, usually, they're, they're on top of you months, months early to get it, to get it done. Yeah, so uh, I don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, Kushida will be defending uh, the IWGP Cruiserweight Championship and uh, he said last year at the end of 2016 that his goal in 2017 is to be Ring of Honor champion. So um, that's a pretty big statement. Uh, he's basically been the go-to face uh, cruiserweight of New Japan really for like the past like three to four years. And um, I won't say he's like Rey Mysterio, but uh, I, he's just he's pretty close. He, he's been just like how in WCW, Kidman was a reliable cruiserweight for them. That's kind of like who Kushida is for New Japan. So for him to say that, um, that's a big deal because if he, if he works Ring of Honor and, and, and becomes the champion, then that could potentially down the road put him on the radar for WWE because pretty much I think it's safe to say almost everyone that wins the Ring of Honor title at some point, they're on the radar for WWE. Even the Briscoes were. They didn't sign mostly because he got himself in trouble. But it seems like uh, you know just being a Ring of Honor champion or being in contention puts you on the radar. So Kushida is definitely someone down the line that you could definitely see, not anytime soon, mind you, but if his intention really is to be Ring of Honor champion, then at some point he could be in the radar. Um, We talked about uh, Naito and uh, Tanahashi. Uh, This already revealed that Tanahashi is going to be getting a new theme song, which is me, many people paranoid. Uh, Tanahashi is known as the uh, Japanese John Cena uh, Tanahashi and John Cena are very, very similar. 
Uh, WWE took a chance on John Cena, and the Tanahashi took a ch- uh, New Japan took a chance on Tanahashi. Uh, John Cena carried WWE on his back for like a decade, uh, and Tanahashi carried New Japan on his back for a decade. Uh, Triple H and Tanahashi were actually good friends uh, a while back. I think there's like a picture they took together a while back, like when uh, I think it was like a picture they took together in like '99 or something like that. They used to work out together. Uh, I know Tanahashi said that WWE never really called him. They were never interested. I guess they wouldn't need to. Why would they need a Japanese John Cena when they already have an American one, I suppose? But uh, that's that's one of the big uh, wrestling dream matches, Tanahashi versus John Cena. Um, but he's been their face. He's uh, he's been He's been their ace of New Japan. That's what they call him. And so he's already announced that he's changing his uh, his theme song, which is a big deal. It may not seem like that much of a deal to anybody, but uh, guys like Nakamura. Um, Picture Cena with a new theme song. Not to not to use Cena, in te- but this is yeah. the equivalent of Cena saying at the Royal Rumble for my title match, I'm coming out with new music. Yeah, yeah. Usually new music and wrestling, and wrestling new music almost always means a heel turn or like a new character, one or the other. That's usually what it means most of the time. And so some fans are paranoid. We discuss this. Because, you know, we, I've already talked about Naito more than enough. Uh, you know, they tried to push him as a face. It didn't work. They pushed him as a heel. It worked. Basically, they, they did what WWE refuses to do with Roman. And so since Naito is over now, some fans are fearing that they're going to attempt a double turn. Well, they'll turn Naito face and turn Tanahashi heel. And if that's the case, I, I don't doubt they won't make it work. But at the same time, Naito's clearly comfortable being a heel. And... So we'll have to see. But Naito will be defending the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what his theme is. Uh, you know, that's, that's the theme. I haven't heard it yet. No one's heard it yet. Uh, there's been no, like, uh, you know, bases or anything, no demos or anything. Uh, the Young Bucks are defending their belts as well. There's a, there's a bunch of matches I'm leaving out. I'm just kind of going through them. And, of course, there's the main event, Okada against Omega. Uh, I'm kind of worried. At first, I thought Omega was going to win, but the past two, three weeks, I'm not sure. Uh, if you follow WWE mentality and in the go-home show, he put Okada through a table in the one-wing angel. So by WWE mentality, uh, since he was looking strong, Okada's going over. Uh, what really kind of changed my mind on Omega is uh, the Monopoly. Uh, if you're not aware to the listeners out there, Omega was recently interviewed and uh, he said that WWE has become a monopoly where they're just hiring people just to hire them. Now, it's true that there have been guys that have been hired and they didn't really do much, but there's also been a lot of guys that WWE has hired, and they've been using a lot as well. Um, Nate and, and Nate, a friend, a mutual friend of JCD and myself, Nate is a resident troll. He usually trolls, but every so often Nate is serious. And I remember, like, uh, he listened to Omega's interview, and he just said straight up he thinks that it's a work and that they're going to use it when he shows up in NXT. Um, this Omega thing has been going on for quite some time now. Uh, Omega has been uh, alluding to, hinting at a WWE run for a while. It started, the first shot was started with Dolph Ziggler. Nate and I, we joke about this all the time. We joke about the uh, 
that go home raw before WrestleMania 13 where Brett pushed Vince and said, this is bullshit. And then Brett and Steve Austin are arguing and Steve was like, you know, I could have helped you. I tried to help you. It could have been you and me when Ziggler's contract was expiring. And I forgot when it was, but remember his contract was expiring and, and, and fans were like, Ziggler, you should just leave. And like around that same time, AJ was getting ready to leave, and Omega, he tweeted at Ziggler, he, he tweeted at Ziggler his shirt size so he could give him a Bullet Club t-shirt, and many fans were hyped because it was like, oh my goodness, Omega versus Ziggler for like a title at Wrestle Kingdom, that could have been great, and fans were really excited, and then Ziggler resigned, and then Omega just destroyed Ziggler on Twitter, and Ziggler just kind of ignored him. That was like kind of when it started. Then when the New Day started getting over, Xavier Woods and Omega kept trolling each other on Twitter. Uh, the Young Bucks would continually take shots at the New Day. Um, the New Day would take shots at, at, at the Elite and Omega. Uh, AJ uh, left. Nakamura left. Basically left Omega for dead. Uh, he was a cruiserweight at that point. They had to repackage him. They had to book him more seriously. Uh, he beat Elgin to become the, uh, the Intercontinental Champion. And, uh, no, he beat Tanahashi, and then later on he beat Elgin, but then Elgin beat him back. Um, he won the G1 Climax and stuff like that. He's really been through a lot. They really left Omega for dead. They left him for dead. I love AJ. I love Nakamura. I love them both, but they, that, that, that business decision was handled very poorly. It could have been done much better. But to Omega's credit, he came back from it. And meanwhile, while Omega's been through all this, you have Okada, who's essentially the, the face of Japan. He's their top guy. He's The Rock. He's, he's Randy Orton. Um, he's very tall. He's very muscular. Um, he has a very good body. Um, and, and the thing about Okada that's scary is most of these dudes that we've been seeing come to WWE for the past, like, three, four years, like Owens, Nakamura, uh, AJ, Aries, Eric Young, uh, James Storm for the brief time he was there. The scary thing is, all of those guys, those guys were Triple H signees. It was Triple H that wanted them. For Okada, it's Vince. Vince wants Okada, not Triple H. Vince wants him because, you know, because Okada's just so tall, you know. So New Japan, they can't afford to, to lose him either. So they, they, they got a choice to make. They got to choose between Omega and um Okada, and I don't know. One of them is going to lose, so. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, we'll do a recap show Friday of the pay-per-view, and we'll see what news breaks. Real quick, it looks like DDP is going to be the first member announced um, for the Hall of Fame this year. So that that should be coming. If it leaks out enough the rest of this week, they're going to announce it Monday, knowing WWE. Uh. That's great. Um, DDP's awesome. They should put Vader in there too. Yeah, probably. He'll he'll probably go in with his, you know, with his health situation, you know, and uh, we'll see who else. But all right, uh, yeah, I Chris, I'll talk to you Friday. All right, later. All right, later.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.